burden bearer for being our Lord and our master. And we have come to you today, O oh God, pouring our hearts to you. We know you have heard us. And so we thank you for the answers in Jesus' name. As we sit to continue in this worship and fellowship together, we ask, O oh God, that your word will be expressed to us clearly, O oh God. Answer the questions of our hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please, before you sit, bring out your Bibles. Let's take our Bible affirmation together. Amen. Say after me, this is my Bible. It is God's inerrant and unchanging word. It is my most valuable earthly possession. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. I therefore listen to it carefully and obey it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head by diligent study. Store it in my heart by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life by obeying his teachings. And so it in my world by being a witness. Hereafter, I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In the name of Jesus. For his honor and glory. Both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Please, you may be seated. You are welcome to church this morning. Amen. We're continuing where we stopped last week on the subject of our walk in God, that is you in Christ. We took some time to look at the subject of Christ in you. And we began by telling us that according to to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, when God raised up Christ from the dead, we and I were raised up with him. And we're made to be seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus where the Bible describes as far above, far above all principalities and powers. That is the description that the Lord has given us, and that is where we have been placed in Christ. But that was just the beginning of our relationship with him. It's a powerful beginning and a glorious beginning. Where we are seated with him, what are we expected to do while we are seated there? And I pointed us to, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to verse 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Pointed out to us that in that relationship, it was an unequally yoked relationship. In the sense that when a farmer wants to plow or train his young animals into plowing, he brings a big and experienced oxen that have been plowing for a while and pierces it up maybe with a yearling, a new animal that he wants to break, a new animal that he wants to teach how to plow puts them together, the heavy animal with the lean animal. 
it is said that in that process, it is the heavy animal, the experienced animal that does most of the work. The labor is on that experienced animal. The, the stress of the work is there. And while he's doing that, it's also an opportunity for him to give direction to the younger animal. Train the younger animal on how to plow in a yoke in, in a yoking situation and also get the submission of that young animal. And I draw a parallel between that and our spiritual lives. Most of us are born again. Jesus is the savior of our lives. Thank God for that, that you are born again. In any case, it was a gift of God to you. The question is this, is he the Lord of your life? What is the yoking, that yoking, what is the quality of your yoking relationship with Jesus? Is he truly the Lord of your life? Have you submitted to him? Have you submitted to him by his word? Are you following him by his word? Are you following him through his word? We further said that when you get into that point, you are also yielded to the spirit of God. Like the younger animal has no excuse but to yield to the force of the uh, bigger animal. As a result of that, we are told in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, that as many as are led, the direction of your life, it doesn't matter how you feel persuaded about a thing. Do you bother to ask what is God's opinion? Those are the things we learn when we're sitting. He says, when you come to me, one of the things you will see is gentleness. You will see meekness. Gentleness, meekness, these are fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the regenerated human spirit as a result of our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. The life of God expresses itself out of us as the fruit of the spirit the indication of christ likeness the indication of christian growth is not the gift but the fruit and it shows how you are submitted to him in his word and how you are yielded to his spirit it is a submission to his word and the yieldedness in the spirit that produces the change from the inside of us from the inside of us the fruit comes naturally because in a tree situation, it is the branch of the tree that produces the fruit. It is not the vine, the stem that produces it, no. As a result of that, we know that what produces fruit in us is our human spirit, regenerated human spirit. And that fruit of the spirit, the Bible describes it, it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit describes it as one. It is singular. It is not plural. Even though there are many things stated there, it's only one. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, temperance, and against such, there is no law. No law can say this is wrong. No. Beloved of God, these are things produced as a result by our human spirit, as a result of our following the word of God and yieldedness to the spirit of God, which is what we learn in the yoking relationship. When you are in that yoking relationship, one of the things the younger animal has been observed to do is that he's very observant and follows. You come to him, you look at him, you look at him. As you behold him, the Bible says, we are changed from one level of glory to the other. 
And so you begin to see in your life, you that were not truthful before, you that there was no faithfulness in you before, you that truly speaking that if somebody harasses you, you want to harass, especially when you have the power to do it, forgetting that there's, there's, there's something called meekness, but suddenly, out of the blues, from the inside of you, a release of meekness comes. And you wonder, how did it come? It, come, it came because of that yoking relationship you have with Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you read Galatians chapter 5, 19, it talks about the fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh. You find that when he began to describe the works of the human flesh, when we say flesh, basically in the Bible, you know, you are a spirit. You live in a, in a body. You have a soul, rather, and you live in a body. But when in the epistles the Bible describes man generally, he says that there is an inner man and there is an outer man. The inner man consists of the spirit of the man and his soul. The outer man consists of the flesh, the body of the man, and his five senses. What the soul is to the spirit is what the five senses is to the body. And the Bible says that anyone, says God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. Galatians 6. If you sow from the spirit, sow to the spirit, you would of the spirit reap life everlasting. But if it is unto the flesh you sow, the flesh, the body, and its five senses, what it wants you give, what it thinks you allow, and so on. The Bible says the result is corruption. And so, beloved of God, it becomes important, therefore, that we will do what the Bible says in taking the reins of our soul, or our spirit, and in being in control. And that is that to subject ourselves, like we discussed last week, to the renewal of the mind by the word of God. Praise the Lord. When you do that, you are deliberately bringing yourself to submit to the word of God. And I said, they said, I've read quite a number of commentaries, a lot of uh, writers by Christian authors and so on. And then I came across an interesting one that describes to me, which I seriously agree with, about the fruit of the Spirit. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, is actually one. And it is the fruit of love. Because, like, I, I hope we are doing our love challenge. Hello, how many of us are still on our love challenge? This is the, well, for those of us starting in the second week, let me, it's important to me in this series we're teaching. How many of us are doing our love challenge? Raise your hand above your head. Okay, thank you. If you don't know what the love challenge is, can I see your hands up? Okay. So most of us know what the love challenge is, right? But you are not doing it. To him that knows good to do and refuses to do it, Complete that scripture for me. Is what? So it's a sin, so go and ask God to forgive you. Amen. Because the reason is that it's going to help build that there's something that will drop inside of you. When you interact with the word of God, every day, like I've said, you should interact. You find that there's no way. It will work. Your love work will be refined. You will grow in love by all means. And love is the nature of your spirit. When the Bible says walk in the spirit, it actually talks about the Father. You should walk in those things. Allow those things. Yield yourself to love. Yield yourself to joy. Yield yourself to that. And that is the nature 
of your recreated human spirit. And you find that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. And we will look more into that next week. But it's important. The love challenge is that everybody every day should spend 15 minutes. 15 minutes every day. It's not too much. 15 minutes, you will read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 4 to verse 8. If you can read it in as many translations as possible, do. And when you read it, talk to yourself. Declare it concerning yourself. And when you declare it concerning yourself, meditate on it. I've given various examples on how to do this. And then apply them in your life. Apply them in your life by your confession. By your ensuring that you maintain it in your face. As you maintain it in your face, you'll find that your relationship with your husband will change. Your relationship with your wife will change. With your family members will change. In your office it will change. Because out of you, you align the love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart to be made manifest. And it comes by a thorough exposure to the word of God. Praise the Lord. Now, if you look at that First Corinthians chapter 13, 4 to 8, you find that all the other characteristics of, uh, uh, of, of love has been expressed as part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so you see that the fruit of the Spirit is love. When there is love, all these other byproducts, manifestations of love, will come to pass in our lives. Praise the Lord. However, I want you to note this. When Jesus said, when you come to me, you will sit, you will learn of me. It's a very important scriptural principle. In the sense that as a child of God, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Remember, Christianity did not begin from work. You are not called to work. You were called to what? To sit. Sit with Jesus. As you sit with him, let him be your gaze. Let him be your focus. As you look at him, the Bible says you are changed from one level of glory to the other. Because what you see in him, you begin to imbibe in you. And it finds expression in your life. It's a principle of scripture. It's a principle. When chameleon, for example, wants to change, it has enough chemical properties in his body to change to any color. But one responsibility chameleon must do is to focus on the color he wants to change to. We are not chameleons. Our spirit man are genuine, reborn again, recreated in the image of him that has called us. But when we look at him like the Bible says, there is a change. How do you look at him? You look at him in his word. You look at him by his word. And you follow him through his word. You look at him by your yieldedness to the spirit. As you begin to do this, the result in your life is the fruit of the spirit that will produce. The fruit of the spirit is essential for your next level of life and living. Remember, you are called into victory that has been achieved for you. You are seated in the victory that has been achieved for you. You did nothing to merit that place. And it is not that by your works you be kept. It's still by a spirit that is upon you. However, a responsibility comes upon you as you look on him to become like him. And one of the things that is required is that what you see in him, the fruit of the spirit you see in him, you begin to replicate in your life because they are the key for your victory. You cannot be victorious as a Christian because you bind and lose. You cannot be victorious as a Christian because you pray. You cannot be victorious as a Christian 
because you shout the word or you say the word. Even when this foundation is not there, it becomes impossible for any act of piety on your part to, be, to have substance. Why? Because the foundation is not there. The foundation of victory, the foundation of Christian effectiveness in all we do at any point in time is our manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. That is why you must aim for it in your life. You must see the fruit of love manifesting. That is why you must take the love challenge seriously. So some of us, you might need to extend it beyond the 30 days. So until you see it, because that is the key for you winning the battles of life. It's extremely important. Even though you are seated, that is the responsibility you are called to do at that time. Jesus told his parents at that time, don't you know that I will be about my father's business? What was the father's business at that time in his life? The father's business at that time in his life was for him to sit down and learn from the people that had been before him. From the old men, from the professors of law. That was his father's business. There was a learning time. Beloved of God, what is the time of the father in your life today? There must be a learning time. And that is why you are sitting. And when you sit, you begin to live your life out of what you imbibe from him. What are the things you imbibe from him? The first the Bible mentions is love. Do you know that in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, the Bible says that without faith, open your Bible, open your Bible, Hebrews 11 verse 6, quickly. I need to quickly, within the short time I have, point to us three things that will show us that it's extremely important. You will go for the fruit of the Spirit in your life, quickly. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. I want you to note it. It says, but without faith, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Let him that come to God know that he's a faithful one and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. It means that for me to walk a life that is pleasing to God, it must be a life full of faith. I must have faith. I must have faith. Let's even assume, look for a moment that I have faith. All the faith. Hello everybody, look up briefly. Assuming for a moment that all the faith I ever need is in this bucket. Yeah? Hello? And I have it. And I'm carrying it around. Brother Faith, Sister Faith, are you with me? I have it all. Now, open to Galatians chapter, two, chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Can you read it? If you have found it. Okay, look on the screen. Look on the screen, everybody. But note it so that when you get to me, look at it. Let's read one, two, go. But faith that what that does what? See, I have all the faith I need in this life. All the faith I have. But with that faith, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Is that not the case? But of what use is my faith that I'm carrying on my head like this? Eh? Without love. What use is it? What use is it? What use is a brand new GL wagon engine? Correct engine. When you kick it starts without petrol. Eh? What use is this without petrol? Will it work? It's useless. That is the same thing here. If I don't have love in my life, it doesn't matter the faith I have. I can carry it on my head. It won't work. Because the Bible says that faith worked by what? Love. Love is the fruit of the human spirit. 
If I'm going to please God, I must have love. Love for the unlovable. Love for my brother. Love for my sister. Love for that person that doesn't want to see me at all. I must love him to a point that I don't pray he should fall down and die. Hello. It is in my interest so that I'll be victorious that, look, I must love him so that my faith will work. Let's even look at it at the worst dimension of selfishness so that my faith will work. I must love you. Hello. Think about it in your life. You see, you need the fruit of the Spirit for victory in your life. Let's look at the next one there. The next one there is what? Uh, joy. Let's look at joy, the fruit of joy, for example. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. is a popular scripture that we all know. Nehemiah told them, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Note the scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, verse 16. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Just write it down. Again, it says, Rejoice evermore. Joy is not happiness. Joy comes from the inside. But why is this important? Let me read James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4 to us. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. But patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Beloved of God. The Bible says we need, you see, from the story we have read, joy, 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 this. Joy produces strength in us. That is why the Bible tells us that even in the midst of trial, we should count it what all joy. But what keeps us true? It is a strength that we need to run to the finish line. If you are going to run to the finish line, it is important that you are studded with strength. But the source of your strength, the Bible says, is what? Joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't matter how much might I have. If I'm always dejected, if I don't produce joy, note my word, if I don't produce joy in my life by the Spirit, beloved of God, it doesn't matter how I am, I might have all the victories in the world, I will be wrecked completely. Because it is joy that strengthens me to run to the finish line in the midst of trouble. Why? They will keep my gaze on the Lord. So, beloved of God, how do I produce joy in my life? It's important. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Acknowledge the place of the Spirit in your life and you will produce joy. How do I acknowledge it? Tell God, say to yourself, who you are in Christ. I am born again. I am a child of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, my victory is an overcoming faith because I have overcome the world. There is therefore now no condemnation to me who is in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Begin to declare the things that God has done for you. The Bible says, blessed be God, who has bought us and brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous son. He bought us by his blood. I am blood bought. I am blood washed. I am, I, I, I am a dearly beloved of God. I am the apple of his eyes. 
in the midst of trouble, in the midst of rejection, you begin to say those things, say those things, say those things. After a while, consistently, it may not even be the first day, but you keep saying it, knowing that that is who you are. After a while, one of the things that will happen is that your spirit man will begin to charge. You begin to find yourself speaking in tongues. You keep saying it. You find that a song will come. You keep saying it. You find that even in the midst of trouble, you begin to laugh. Somebody asks, why are you laughing? It is the peace of God that passes all understanding that is at work in your heart. That is why you need the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot win this battle without the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Bow your heads, let us pray. Beloved of God, if you are here, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I would really love to pray with you right now. Say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a child of God. I want to be born again. Let me pray with you. Maybe you are watching from home. I want you to talk to God at this time. The rest of us talk to God. You must, if you, are going, if you want to be victorious as a Christian, you, you must have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But you that want to give your life to Jesus, say, God, I thank you. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I ask today in the name of Jesus that you forgive me my sins. I ask in the name of Jesus that I be strengthened by you. I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. Therefore, my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God today in Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, you're a child of God. I want you to look at the numbers on the screen that you're watching from and call us. We'll be able to give you some more help. The rest of us seated in the auditorium here hearing us talk to God. The fruit of the Spirit is God's wisdom for your victory in life all the time. Talk to God today. You must, you must, as a matter of fact, allow the fruit to be met, met, manifest in your life. Amen.